Evening. Um, <laughs> heartbeat. Um, I shared this morning um, when Mike first asked me to speak on my heartbeat. I kind of thought, yeah, that's great. That, Heartbeat, can't go wrong with that, can you? Until I kind of went away and actually began to think about it. And actually, if I'm really honest, I don't really know what, what is my heartbeat. And you kind of think, is it a bit of this? Um, I'm incredibly passionate about community. Uh, I'm incredibly passionate about worship. I'm incredibly passionate about prayer. Um, and you kind of like, the list goes on and on and on. And then it's kind of like, okay, Han, you got 20 minutes. How do you can condense how do you condense it? So, um, like I shared this morning, I think you're just going to get a glimpse of my heartbeat tonight, and it's, um, and it's just what I feel God has laid on my heart. And, um, and we're going to be going on a journey, I hope. And, um, and I think... I feel like he's changing my talk as I talk, uh, which is never, it's always a little bit uncomfortable. And, um, but I'm going to start with the, the first scripture, um, which um, is beautifully read, and it's um, a story in Genesis. And this, for me, personally, rings really true. I don't know how you feel about your relationship with God, but I know who I am. I know that I am a daughter of God. And I know that I have, been, I have been seen by him. I know that he sees me and he knows me. And I just love that, that verse. And, um, and actually, it's not a very nice story when you read the whole chapter. Um, and it's about a, a slave girl called Hagar. And um, basically, Abraham and Sarah have been given a promise by God to have a son. And um, it was one of those crazy promises that just like, really, God, really? And, um, and a, the story goes that Sarah kind of tries to put it into, kind of force the, force the hand, so to speak. And she goes to Abraham and she says, let me give you my slave girl and you can have children through her. And, um, and it just goes completely pear-shaped, as you can imagine. And there's a lot of hurt in there. And um, it, Hagar becomes pregnant with this baby. Sarah becomes jealous. Hagar mistreats Sarah. Sarah mistreats Hagar. You can, I, I don't know about you, but I'm quite real. And I'm a, I'm a wife, and I'm a mother. And I can't even begin to imagine what that must have felt like as a woman, even with the cultural norms. You can just imagine, and, and this, you find Hagar, she runs away, and God finds her and meets with her. And I don't know about you, but I've had those moments where God has just met with me, and he saw me, and my life has been changed. She, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I grew up, um, I shared a few weeks ago parts of my testimony. And um, 
I grew up with a really distorted view of who God was. Um, if you weren't there, um, kind of, we started off in a, I was starting off in a church family and kind of grew up knowing all the stories, you know, Daniel and the lion's den. And, you know, I've never doubted that God was real. Um, it was just there, God, you know. And, um, but when I was around about 10 years old, my parents turned their backs on church and took us on this whole journey, particularly through my teen years, where it just became very broken. Um, and, um, and during those years, a lot of the language that was spoken in the home was church language, and it wasn't particularly nice. And I grew up beginning to view God as this really angry, particularly through my relationship with my dad. Um, and can I, before I carry on, I, I love my dad. God has restored my relationship with him. I publicly honor him today. He is an incredible man, and I love him very dearly. But that's not a story I'm gonna share today, but I just wanted you to know. And he gives me permission to share our story. And, um, and my dad has been very honest. My dad, as a young man, he grew up his dad was a preacher, he grew up in America, um, his grandpops was a preacher, and they were like what I would call like fiery preachers, you know, a little bit scary, like, if you don't give your life to Jesus, you're all gonna die and burn in hell. Um, <laughs> and, um, but really passionate, really passionate. And my dad, from a young man, he just wanted to travel the world. Um, and even now, as um, he's, he's getting on in years, he just, he just longed. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to travel the world. He has an incredible voice, um, beautiful worship leader. He wanted to travel, tell people about Jesus. And um, he talks about when he was in his um, early 20s, they had, my granddad had a, a prison ministry. But he would go into the streets of London, whack out his guitar, and he would just begin to worship and just tell anybody that was willing to listen about Jesus. And um, he, he fell in love with my mom and, you know, and put two and two together and, a few years later, he's, he's, he's got three kids. And, um, and, um, but he, he talks about this time where he just began to resent the fact that he had a family. I think that deep down, uh, I think that he does love us. And that's a journey that God has taken on, that's took, that he's taken him on. But during my teenage years, that resentment really began to come through. Um, I grew up in a household. My mom left when I was 12, um, and I lived with my dad. And particularly, um, he drank. I shared a little while ago that he was an alcoholic. Um, and particularly, when he was under the influence of alcohol, things would come out, and that resentment, that resentment came out. And he would very vocally tell me that he, he didn't love me, he never wanted children, we've ruined his life. And, and, um, and he would often use church language, you know, I was, you know, I was born to change the world and now I've got this family and, and as a teenager, my, my view of God just became so distorted. I, I grew up um, very hard-hearted, but at the same time, I didn't have any identity. I didn't know who I was. I just didn't know who I was and I saw God as this angry God who was going to punish me. He was very scary. Um, I saw him as someone that was just gonna keep telling me how awful I was, that I kept getting things wrong. And, um, and in my early 20s, I had an incredible encounter with Jesus. And um, me and Jesus have been hanging out um, with the Holy Spirit for a long, long time. But this whole idea of Father God for many years, I really struggled with. Um, I just didn't know how to relate to a Father God. 
it's kind of like, well, because I never really, I never really had a great experience with my natural one, you know? And um, we went away to, um, just over 10 years ago, actually, I went away on this conference with a friend, and they did this teaching on the Father heart of God. And it was just, um, it was incredible, but at the time, it was really alien to me. They were just talking about scripture after scripture after scripture about the sense that this is where we're going. The reason that Jesus died was to connect us to our Father. That's where I'm going. That's where we are going. When we choose to invite Jesus in, he's gonna take us to be with the Father. And you know when you're kind of like, okay, I get it, but I don't know, that's a little bit scary. And you know when you have those moments, you're like, oh, I don't know if I like the idea of that. I quite like hanging out with Jesus. Jesus is okay, but this whole idea of going to be with my heavenly Father really scared me. And um, they talked about that he's a good God and he's a loving Father. And um, you know when you're kind of like, just like, mm, I, just, I just don't know if I believe that, just being honest. And um, they did this really weird thing at the end, like ministry time. And um, they just lined up all these like mature men at the front um, with women. And they're like, in your own time, come forward for a daddy hug. Daddy wants to give you a hug and it's gonna be lovely. And he's, he just wants to embrace you and tell you how special you are and love. And you know when you're sitting there going, number one, you're weird. Number two, like I'm gonna do that. And, um, but something on the inside of me began to stir. And when I say it began to stir, I began to weep. And in that moment, I thought, you know what? I cannot remember a time when my dad had held me or told me that he loved me. And I had this fear, unless it was just that fear of being rejected. I had this fear that if I was to get up off my chair and come forward in my mess, what if daddy, heavenly God, doesn't want me? What if he thinks I'm unlovable? And I just began to get a little bit messier as they were carrying on. And, um, and you know when you kind of, if you're a girl and you've got long hair, you're with me. You know when you do the whole hide behind the curtains? Um, and it was just getting snottier and snottier. And the, but on the inside, there was something that was desperately longing. I was longing to know what they had been talking about. I wanted to know. I wanted to be able to connect with my Heavenly Father. But I was literally like chained to the chair in, in like fear of rejection, just fear of what if? What, what if I get up and I just turn into a mess? Or what if I get up and nothing happens and I don't feel that love? And you know, I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but you're just kind of like chained in your own like crazy thought patterns. And, um, and there was a man, one of the gentlemen was standing up the front and every now and again, you know, when you're trying to, you're like, it was kind of, kind of catch my eye. And you know, when you do the whole, don't look, don't look, don't look, he's not going to see me. And I was just like hiding. And I mean, he kept trying to catch my eye. And um, it was kind of wrapping up. And then all of a sudden, he just began to walk towards me. And you know, do the whole, oh, poop, poop, he's coming. Please walk by, please walk by. And, um, and as he's coming towards me, he just comes to me and he literally comes to my chair, stands right in front of me. He's like, hello, beautiful, come here. And I'll tell you what, I just dissolved into like this mess. And he picked me up 
And my golly, did he give a good hug. And he picked me up and he held me. And he gave, he, first thing he said to me, I give you permission to snot. <laughs> I said, thank you. And I began, he just began to pray over me and he just held me. And um, I, don't, I can't put it into words what happened. You know, sometimes when we try and, we try and explain God in our, in our language, but it, it's just impossible. Something happened on the inside of me. Something broke in a good way. And um, it talks in Romans 8 about how the Spirit testifies with the Spirit inside of you where you can cry out, Abba, Father. And I was suddenly, I was hearing myself going, Daddy, Daddy. And you know when you have those moments of like, am I really saying that? But I had this encounter with my Heavenly Father That was just over 10 years ago. Do you know, I have not been the same since. I know who I am. I am a child of God. I am beloved. I am cherished. I am precious. He calls me daughter. I know that my identity in here, and the coolest thing is, you know my whole daddy is bigger than your daddy. Do you know what? He is the daddy that holds the universe in his hands. He breathes out stars, and he calls them by name. He is all-powerful. He's all-loving, and he calls calls me his own. In that moment, God saw me, and I encountered the one who saw me, and I found that my identity is in him. So what is my heartbeat? I want to take that to the world. When you encounter God in that way and suddenly you realize who you are, I have like this crazy notion on the inside of me that I was born to change the world. And do you know what? I'm willing to give it a good old stab and die trying. You know? My mum would often talk that when I was really little, I was one of, out of my two brothers, she said I was the worst one. She said, I was that kind of kid that just was fearless. I was the kind of kid that would climb the highest tree and like swing off the branch and say, look, look at me, I'm gonna fly. I just had, she said, you had no fear, Hannah. And she said, you were just like, you just had this explorer in you and this adventure in you. She said, we would go out shopping and you would just like disappear. And she said, we wouldn't find you and then we'd find you like trying on shoes. And she said, you were just like completely oblivious to the fact that you've been on your own for ages and the whole world has stopped trying to find you. She said, you were just fearless. But she said there was these moments when um, she's, my mum used to like watching the news and it would come on with the sad stories and particularly the UNICEF or any form of um, sort of uh, charitable organisation um, or those adverts and she said that you would just stop at sort of four years old and she'd be like, mummy, I want to work for someone like that to, one day. When I get big girl, I'm going to change the world. And she said there was just something on the inside of you, Hannah. And I felt, yeah. And you know what? Life has battered me a little bit. And I think a long way along the line, somewhere in there, you know what? I feel like it's kind of like the, the world has tried to kind of like pour out or like kind of stamp out that roar on me. But I do believe that, particularly um, in the last couple of years, it's been a bit rough. But I believe that God is kind of rising up that roar in me again. That roar to say no. The world is in desperate need to know to be seen, to be seen by the one that loves them. So where do you start? How do you start changing the world? Jesus is a cool place to start. The story of Zacchaeus, I love this one. It's just so simple. 
Where are my markers? Zacchaeus, the tax collector, um, in chapter 19, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was too short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And I think for me, there's a couple of things in this story that just jump out immediately. Number one, it's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was looking. He was searching. He had obviously heard about this man, Jesus. He had heard on the vibe line that this dude was coming through, that he was coming through the town, and he wanted to know what all this commotion was about. He had probably heard some of the stories about Jesus, some of his miracles, and he's curious, and he's looking, and he's like, I wanna go and see what, what's, what's so good about this man, or what is it about this man? And, um, and let's be honest, he didn't have an awful lot going for him. Number one, he was short, and secondly, he was a tax collector, which, can I say this, was probably a little bit like car parking attendants in this country. You know, he wasn't particularly favored. Um, sorry if you're a car parking attendant, we'll pray for you at the end. But you know when you're kind of like, people aren't, at, you know, they're not going out of their way to bless them. Um, they, ha they have a hard ride, and this is Zacchaeus. But there was, something, there was something about hearing the stories of Jesus that made him curious, curious enough to climb a fig tree. And I love this, that Jesus was just passing through and he was surrounded by the crowds. Yet we hear that he stopped and he saw and he saw Zacchaeus. And in that moment, he invited Zacchaeus down and he said, let's, let's share a meal. Let's get to know one another. And I think sometimes we underestimate the power of a simple meal. What was Jesus in that moment? Jesus saw Zacchaeus, even though he was surrounded by a crowd. And I wonder how many of our friends, how many of our coworkers, how many of those people that are just out in our community that are, that are beginning to hear about our God, that are beginning to hear the stories of Jesus, and they're searching and they're looking and they're waiting for just one of us to stop and see them and invite them. Invite them and introduce them to Jesus. And that can be over a simple meal. I don't know about you if you have favorite books in the Bible. I don't even know if that's allowed, but I do. Um, those ones that kind of get you excited. Um, I'm one of those people that if I read it, I want it, you know. I'm, I'll just put it out there, I'll be honest, I'm greedy, you know. I, I want to see the raising of the dead. Why not, you know. I, I go on holiday and I practice walking on water just, just for the fun of it, you know. Haven't got there yet, but could you imagine? Could you imagine, you know, we're off to ski Athos in a couple of weeks. I can't wait. I'm like, bring me the ball. Um, but anyway, I'm a little bit of like a kid like that. But it's because I know that I believe in a God who is, he's just so much beyond all that I could possibly imagine. There's always so much more. There's always so much more. And um, 
And I don't know how you feel about just being out in the world sometimes, and um, I love Axe. Axe is just like full of like yumminess, isn't it? You know, and you kind of, it's like boom, boom, boom. It's like story after story after story of just like bog standard normal people and suddenly they're encountering, they're encountering the Holy Spirit and they're encountering God and they're going out and they're doing crazy things and you're like, whoa, imagine doing that in Guildford. Could you imagine? I mean like, whoa, let's have some of that, shall we? And why not? Why is it any different now? You know, I believe that what, you know, this book, I feel like he's got this whole, he's got this book over, over this church and he's saying, let's write some pages. Let's write down some stories. Could you imagine what he wants to do in this place? Look where we're situated. We're next door to probation. We're next door to the job center. Across the road is the police station. Around the corner, they're building a, is it a halfway house? Is that what they call them now? Look at where we are. We're right bang smack in the middle of a city. People come here all over to work. I mean, it's amazing the opportunities that we have on our doorstep. What is it he wants to write? What story does he want to write over here? And um, I'm going to read a, a story which is just so cool, and it's in Acts 3, and it says, One day, Peter and John, bog-standard normal blokes, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. They were just going about their ordinary daily business. They're on the way to prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And it says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. In that moment, Peter had a choice. In that moment, Peter could have just said, I'm sorry, I'm on the way to prayer, I don't have any money. He could have just carried on straight by. But he didn't, he stopped. He paused and he looked straight at the man. And he says these words. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by his hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to you, at him. Anybody up for a bit of that? You know? And I just love that. It's like, are you willing to have your bog-standard daily life interrupted? Because who knows what God's gonna wanna do from you? And this is something I pray for more and more opportunities. Um, and I think that if we just step out and take that courage just to kind of put ourselves out there, I think God will meet us there. I truly believe we were born to change the world. I truly believe that signs and wonders are just a part of our daily life. They, are, they should be our norm. They should be our norm. 
And I've had incredibly blessed times where I have seen miracles. Janie shared this morning about a woman that she prayed with at New Wine whose leg grew. Do you know what? I took my best mate on an alpha. My own leg grew. I have seen miraculous healing. I saw it with my own eyes and I even felt it. I 100% believe that God heals today. 100%, I've seen it time and time again. I've seen deaf ears be opened. And you know when you're kind of like, I remember praying for this guy. And you know when you're kind of like, and I'll be honest, I'm like, God, I have no faith for this. I'm like, he's deaf. And I really don't know what the heck I'm doing. But I'm going to give this a go. Bypass me and just do what you want. And I remember him laying on the floor. And I remember just clicking my fingers near and he says, I can hear that. And I'm like, really? Really? Can you? How? God is a God who wants to use us. And signs and wonders, I just, he longs to connect people with him. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you to see change. I don't know if it's because my life has been marked by restoration, particularly of my heart, but I feel like sometimes God seems to use me in that area. He gives me these crazy things come to mind and I'm learning to be a bit brave and speak them out and I've seen how he has literally transformed and brought freedom, he's brought restoration. And um, there was this beautiful um, moment only last week and um, I asked permission to share this story. We were, I was team pastoring at New Wine, which is a real privilege. And it was our first night and they bring all the teams together and all of us pastors. So there's a few hundred in there and it was really cool. And they pulled the team pastors for and they're like, just, we're just gonna open it up for anybody that wants prayer. So just be, just be around, I was like, it's cool. And I was praying for this young girl. And, but the whole time I was praying for this girl, I just kept having this thing come into my, you know, a thought coming into my head. And it's like, there's somebody here and that a long time ago they had an abortion and they've been living under shame. And you know, you're like, oh gosh, you know, I don't know what to do with that. Um, and it just kept coming over and over. And I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna speak it out. And um, the person that was leading, I just kind of went up to them. I said, I don't know if this is gonna mean anything to anybody. But I'm just gonna chuck it out there. And, um, and they did, they just spoke it out on the stage. And they did that really awkward thing. It's like, so if that's you, see Hannah, and he made me wave. And you know, like, don't do that. You know, they've been living under shame. They're not going to come forward. You know, and you're kind of like, oh. Um, I know him really well, so it's fine. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, Lord. And I just thought, you know what? It's, it's in your hands. And then um, they came towards the end of the evening, and they were wrapping it up, and most people had left. And one of the pastors that was stood right next to me, she turns to me and she said, um, can I have a word? And I said, yeah. She just begins to weep. And she was a mature lady, probably in her late 50s. She said, I've never told anybody this. Even my husband doesn't know. She said, I had an abortion. And she said, I have been living under shame for years and years and years. And there was this woman, and she just began to weep. And I said, can I just hold you? And I just wept with her, and we just wept together. I can't remember what I prayed. I think I just prayed that God would meet with her and break off that shame. 
And we just spent some time. And as we began to finish praying, she began to laugh in a good way. And she said, I literally feel like something physically has broken off of me. And the incredible thing is she came and found me a couple of days later and she's like, you have no idea. You have no idea the freedom that I feel right now. In that moment, God saw her. In that moment, God saw her and he wanted to meet with her. We live in a broken world, full of men, women, and children that are desperately wanting to be seen. Are you willing to stop? Are you willing to step out of the boat and just let God use you? And you know what, you can get it wrong sometimes, and guys, I don't have it perfect. I'm gonna end on this story, it's kind of like the freedom to get it wrong sometimes, or just kind of go a bit pear-shaped. I was in TK Maxx a couple of weeks ago, I like shopping. And um, I was looking at all the different teas, and um, there were two co-workers in front of me, and there was this one woman, and she was proper hunched over, like, really like, and she's, and she's talking to her co-worker, she's like, I'm in so much pain, I don't know what to do with myself. And you know when you're kind of like, I'm not ears dropping, but I so am ears dropping. Um, you know, you're right in front of me. I'm looking at the tees above your head. And I'm listening to her conversation. And she begins to share with him how she, um, she's got an injury in her back. And um, she's had it for, for years. And, and at that moment, she was just in absolute agony. She didn't, she didn't know whether she wanted to sit down, lie down, or stand up. And in my head, I kept getting like, God's saying, why don't you pray for her? And you know, and you're like, shut up, you're having a giraffe. I'm in the middle of TK Maxx. I'm looking at T. She's gonna think I'm some nutter. No way. And um, do you know, and I thought, just, just walk away, Han. It's gonna be fine, walk away. And I, I'll be straight up, I walked away. I was like, you, oh, you can't ask me to do that, God. I walked away, they followed me. And she's still literally hunched over. And you know, Nicole, like, okay, God, I'm going to do this, but I'm proper pipping it, and you need to give me some boldness. So you kind of, I walked up to her, and I'm like, I'm really sorry. And you know, like, you're apologizing, I'm really sorry. You're going to think I'm really weird. Uh, my name is Hannah. I believe in a God who heals. I know you probably think this is really weird. I, think I must have said that about 100 times. I'm like, I'm really awkward. I really don't want to make you feel awkward, but I I'm really sorry as well. I overheard your conversation. Wasn't really as dripping. But do you think I could pray with you? And I don't know what I was expecting. She turned around and she went, yes, please. And you're like, oh man, now I've got to pray for you. And you know, at the moment, I don't know, whether I, shall I lay hands on you? Do I just stand back and pray? What, what do I pray? I don't know. God help. And, um, and I just thought, I'm just going to go for it. I'm like, I'm not going to touch you because you probably think that I am really weird. And I just prayed a really simple prayer. And then, I didn't even ask her after that if she was right, I just ran away. <laughs> Being honest. And um, I ran away and left the shop. A Couple of weeks later, this is my, my little shop that I go to quite regularly, I will confess. Two weeks later, I pop back into the shop. And you know what, guys, this is where, you know, I'm just normal, you know? And I'm building up my courage. And I'll be coming forward for courage in a minute for prayer. I saw the same woman, and I know we clocked eyes, and she was literally going up and down the aisle singing and bopping. It's the only way I can describe it, like, like proper bopping, singing. And I'm like, oh my word. And you know what, I was desperate to go up to her and go, do you remember I was the weird one that prayed for you? What happened? 
I'd love to say that I had the courage to do that. I didn't. But you know what? I feel like, actually, this lady has not left my brain. I kind of go to sleep thinking about her. And I think, do you know what? I've had a week off. I'm going back to TK Maxx this week, and I'm going to hunt her down. And I'm like, Lord, give me, give me boldness. Please don't let me think me weird. And I'm just going to ask her and just say, do you remember me? I'm just that weird one. So I'll let you know how it goes. Um, but do you know what? Sometimes, sometimes I poop it and run away with my tail between, you know? but I'm just going to pick myself back up and I'm praying for more boldness. And do you know what? That's one story where it does go a little bit... Did it go wrong? I don't know. But I have countless stories, countless stories where God actually has used me. And I have seen healing and I've seen him bind up the brokenhearted and I'm going to finish on this one. And sometimes I'm really excited about stopping for the one And I think sometimes, for some crazy idea, he gives me platforms. I do think that he's calling me into leadership, which is slightly terrifying. And you know what? Sometimes when he calls us into places where we don't think we can fit into those shoes, I'm learning to trust him. I'm learning to trust him on the journey. And about 18 months ago, I was asked to speak at a particular event. And I really didn't want to go. I felt completely unqualified it was it was a it was a thing for leaders and you know when you're kind of, I'm not even a leader how can you even ask me to talk to leaders that is just ridiculous you know when you're kind of, they're all going to be sitting there going who the heck are you you know when you're kind of like they're coming away for feeding they want somebody incredible and um, that the person who had asked me just kept saying I'm really sorry but Jesus is telling me that's you and I had to learn to trust him And I went to this event, and it was up north, and I had no idea. And the person that invited me said, I just know that God's going to put a message on your heart. Right up until that morning, I had no idea what God was going to say. And I went for a little walk. I was like, God, you really need to help me. And he said, I want you to share a part of your story, Hannah, that you've never shared with anybody before. And I was like, no, I don't want to. Because I know that it's still a part of me that he's working on. And he said, I want you to share it. And I said, okay, give me courage. And I got up on this particular afternoon and I shared a part of my story. I asked them not to record it. I shared a part of my story to a room of about 100. I had no idea what God was going to do. And I opened it up to ministry. And I lost count of how many women that had come from all over the UK that had exactly the same thing happen to them and God wanted to meet with them and bring healing in their lives. I had no idea that's why God was sending me there. God can send us anywhere. All we have to do is say I'm willing to go. So I feel like I've spoken a lot. I kind of want to invite Jesus to come and hang out with us a little bit more, if that's okay, and invite the Holy Spirit. I feel like he wants to do some stuff. So when we were praying earlier, I feel like there's a couple of things from what I've been sharing tonight. I feel like, number one, it's that identity. Do you truly know who you are? Have you had that encounter with Daddy God? How do you see yourself? Are you a bit like Simba in The Lion King and you've forgotten who you are? And I feel like Daddy God just wants to 
to reveal himself to you. That revelation of son and daughter. Do you know who you are? And for some of us, we're hungry for more. We're hungry for more. You want to see God use you more. And it might be that you want more courage or more boldness. It might be that you just want God to fill you up with more Holy Spirit so you can send, send you out. And that you're desperate to change the world. Excuse me. Call for more. And then um, this morning, I shared it as well, that sense of, so there's somebody here that's been called to the nations. And I'm not entirely sure. I don't actually think it's through the church. I think it's something like corporate. I keep getting that word corporate. That you, God is, you're either in it or he's gonna open a door and actually in your Monday to Friday job that he's gonna use you to bring change to the world in some way. That he's gonna open nations to you. And I feel like actually, yeah, there's not gonna be a door that's not gonna be closed to you. Um, I don't know if that speaks to anybody. And then the last one is when we were praying earlier, um, and actually I think it was, somebody mentioned it. I just get the words was, wake up from your slumber. Wake up from your slumber. You know, I wonder if for some of us we just need to wake up. Because there's so much more. So much more. So much more. It's an adventure to be had. So I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask Joy to come back up with a band.